If you brought your Bible with you today, go ahead and get that out. Open up your Bible apps, if you would, and, uh, and find two places, John 17 and Hebrews 12. John 17, Hebrews 12. If you're new to church and new to the Bible and you don't know who John or Hebrews is, they're both good. John's a guy. Hebrew's a coffee maker. Not really. A letter written to Hebrews is what that means. Uh, uh, I've been teaching a, a series called uh, Beloved. And, oh, it's been enjoyable to teach and beneficial to receive. If you missed the first six parts, uh, go on the website this week. And you have one per day, and you'll be caught up. Amen. Be very helpful to you. God loves you so much. He loves you so much. It's incomprehensible. It passes understanding. John 17, Jesus is praying here, verse 23, I and them and you and me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and that you have loved them as you have loved me. Amen. Amen. Did I give you that scripture to put on the screen? That's supposed to be a hidden scripture. Maybe I did it wrong. See, I hide certain scriptures on purpose. Do you know why I do that? So that if you come here for more than a minute, you start learning to read your own Bible. And it becomes habitual and, and a practice. Uh, I don't want, can I just tell you the side note to my message? I don't want to pastor a church where no one ever opens their own Bible, whether you do it digitally or, you know, the way that Jesus did <laughs> uh, with a physical Bible. I want people to be trained to know God's Word. Amen. Amen. So that's why I do that. So Jesus prayed that people would see in us how much God loves us. It's it, To understand the Father's love, we have to look at how He acts. Because every action He takes is right, and it is motivated. It comes from a, a heart of love. So that's how I can understand love. Because some things I might throw out and say, well, if it's not a hug and a kiss, it's not love. No, there are things that are outside of that um, type of affection that absolutely are love. And so God does certain things. When He loves us, of course there's healing and comfort and understanding and strength, all that stuff and more. But there is also something called discipline that is in His love. And if I truly receive the love of God, I am going to receive a word from Him that corrects me. A word that instructs me at times to do things differently. All right, go over to Hebrews, then chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, and, and notice with me in, in beginning in verse 5. In verse 5 it's written, and you, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. Now understand, sons in Scripture usually does not... Um, uh, depending on the context, does not is differentiate between sons and daughters. It's not speaking of gender. It's just speaking of God's children. Amen. Even in our politically correct day, we can still read the Bible and be okay. 
He goes on to say, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by Him. Isn't that interesting? He's telling us what internal components to have in response to what's called the chastening of the Lord. He said, don't be discouraged if God rebukes you. Why would, I, why would you say that? Because you could be discouraged when you're rebuked by Him. Right? Is that, isn't that why He's telling us? You, whenever you have a word that says, don't do this, it's because we have a tendency to do that. Unless we receive the word that says, don't do that. And when we recognize, hey, I'm tempted to feel this way. I'm tempted to react this way to this event. Then we click back to the Word and say, oh, no, no, I'm not supposed to do that. Oh, I see. This is a, there's a proper way to receive this. He, he goes on to say, verse 6, For whom the Lord loves, that's our context, that's our subject, He chastens and scourges every son whom He receives. Now, that's a quotation from Proverbs chapter 3. But does this sound like love to you? Do, do these sound like love acts, meaning chastening and scourging? Without a proper understanding, we might be quick to just dismiss that and throw that out and say, oh, no, 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 that's, that's, that can't be love. But the Scripture says because He loves us, He brings these kind of acts toward us. Now, because He is love, and that's what it's saying here, we know that this is never intended to harm us. God doesn't chasten and scourge to our detriment, but rather to our benefit. He wants to help us, and so these things um, must be designed to produce something good in our lives. Okay? Now, the word chasten is simple. Chasten means to train a child. Okay, when the Lord chastens someone, He is training them. It's child training, yeah. And so, like, just like a natural child, a spiritual child also needs trained. The word scourge is a little more difficult to deal with. <laughs> Chasten, I can make that palatable. Scourge means to flog, <laughs> and so that word's in there too. And so we'll deal with that in a little bit here. But scourge means to flog. Let's go, let's go on, verse 7. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but He for our profit, that we may be partakers of His holiness. Okay, so just jumping in at the end there, do you understand to be a partaker of God's holiness is a desirable outcome? Okay, I, I don't know if we quickly go there. We all, we all are quick to say God is holy. We know He's holy. Sometimes we feel less holy. God is holy, and we are intended to partake of His holiness. All right? So that's a desired outcome. There are benefits to, li to um, being holy in spirit, of course, but to living a holy life. There are, there are perks to that. 
let, let me let me give you an, an, an example. The fourteenth verse in this in this passage reads, "Pursue love with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord." Why do I want holiness? Because I want to see God. Now, so what, what do you mean? See God like in heaven? No, I don't think it's limited to go, going to heaven. Um, because I'm not pursuing holiness in the sense of trying to be good enough to go to heaven, being as holy as God, because my righteousness is found in Him. But why would I pursue holiness in my everyday life? Because I get to see God if I do. You understand, see goes beyond um, just sight with our physical eyes. Seeing is about perceiving. Remember, if you're uh, Jesus, John three three, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now we use that sometimes as we say that means go to heaven. It does, but it's not limited to that. When you're born again, you get spiritual sight. You're able to perceive spiritual things. You know, how, you know how a lot of people in our world today are oblivious to spiritual realities. You know, even with the, even with the, the fear that's sweeping the world with all, with diseases and viruses and all this stuff, people don't recognize the spiritual component there. They think it's all just about masks and gloves and ankle kicks. No, there are spiritual forces at work. When, without going down a, a road there, when you have holiness, you partake of His holiness you have a greater ability to see things. You perceive spiritual truth and reality where before you have it, your glasses are foggy. You ever had a smudge right there on your glass? I don't wear, you know, those kind of lenses, sunglasses, but have a smudge and it's like the whole world is, has a smudge on them. What's wrong with everybody? <laughs> no, it's right here. <laughs> yeah, when we want to be partakers of holiness because then it opens up our spiritual understanding to see things. Hallelujah. Everybody okay? And so human fathers correct us after the flesh. Some translations read that way. Instead of saying human fathers, it'll just say fathers after the flesh. See, it's contrasting flesh fathers, human fathers, to a spiritual father. Okay, And we, I think we recognize this. If you're a parent here today, if you love your kids you'll discipline them. When a person says, when a parent says, oh, I just love my child too much to discipline them or restrict them in any way, no, you don't love them enough. Sometimes we don't want to discipline kids because we love ourselves and we don't want to deal with it. And it's hard. And it's uncomfortable. And I don't feel like dealing with this again right now. And so we let it slide. If we really love them, what do you do? You deal with it. I mean, I think of it this way. If a parent gives their child instruction, direction, correction, and their child ignores their parent, if the parent ignores them ignoring their instructions, you're setting them up to fail in life. I love them too much to do. No, no. If you really love them, you're thinking about next year and when they're and, and when they're 20 and when they're 30, and you're setting them up to succeed in life by learning how to grab a hold of what they want and submit it to what someone else wants. Ultimately, submitting to God Himself. 
right? And so uh, that's the way love works. We understand that in the human realm, but it's the same uh, with the Father of Spirits. But notice, humans correct after the flesh. God corrects in the Spirit. He gives spiritual correction. In other words, He doesn't strike us. He's not physic. you know, and again, go back to the word flogging. <laughs> He's not flogging us, scourging us physically. You never came away from a prayer time with God with marks on your back. Man, I got corrected today. He's not correcting us after the flesh. But I do want you to consider the usage of that word does get my attention. It's like, that's a strong word, Lord. Maybe, he, maybe that's in there so that it does get our attention. A physical scourging is not pleasant. I don't know. Has anyone been scourged lately? <laughs> but you understand what it is. It's not a pleasant experience, not in the moment. It's actually painful. You think of being whipped, bam, something striking your skin, whack, ow, that's painful. In a similar fashion, when God brings correction or chastening to us, ow, ow, I feel that. I don't feel it physically, but internally it's like, mm, that's uncomfortable. I don't, I don't know that I want to receive that, but he's doing it for our benefit. Now, we know it's coming from love. There's also a hug with it. It's not condemnation. It's not to shame us. It's not to put us on a guilt trip. But it is to say, pay attention here. Doing this, you're off in this area. I want to bring a word that will help you to go higher and help you to grow in life. Amen. But there is something to this that can be a smite. <laughs> Ouch. But I want you to see this as well. Because some have totally twisted these passages. And all of a sudden, they call the chastening of the Lord, and all of a sudden, God's putting curses on people. He is not. Our Father who loves us is not coming to you and say, well, you've been disobeying. You've not been doing what you ought to do. So here's cancer for you. No. See, God is not jumping into the curse realm with His discipline for us. Those are the things that Jesus died on the cross for. He bore all the curse so we could be blessed. Let's remember who came to steal, kill, and destroy. And that wasn't Jesus, that was Satan. He is the thief that wants to rob you of a long, strong, and healthy life. Yeah? So in God's discipline, He's not the one bringing those type of things. I mean, I mean seriously, think about it. If a parent, again, using the natural comparison, if a natural parent had the ability to give their child a disease for disobeying, how many know no country would, would put up with that? I mean, that person would be locked up in a minute. You can't... What? You missed your curfew. Here's cancer. We would say that is a horrible person. And they would be, Right? Uh, and so uh, God doesn't do us that way. And again, His discipline is not in the flesh. It's, he's called the Father of Spirits. It's contrasting to a fleshly discipline, which lets us understand it. But it's spiritual. That means God uses His Word to correct us. He uses His Word to chasten us. And His Word will do that, you know, if we let it. Because it's a Word, here's what happens. People can ignore it if they want. I know when, when children are young 
And, they, and their parent uses the rod of correction to drive the foolishness out of their hearts, hard to ignore. Right? When you grow up as an adult and God chastens you with His Word, people dismiss it sometimes. And they, oh, well, you know, you're just being judgmental. You're just being legalistic. They can label it all kinds of different ways they want in order to dismiss the correction. Why? Because it's not pleasant. In the moment, it's not really enjoyable. Everybody okay? Here's what the Scripture says in uh, 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. What does the Word of God do? Lots of good stuff, but some of it is this. It is for reproof and correction. It instructs us in the way. So this is how God works with us. Now look, look back to, he, to verse 11, Hebrews 12, 11. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Ah, did you have to read that verse today? Nevertheless, afterward, everybody say afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Okay, so if I'm going to read pain and peace in the same verse, I'm, I'm looking at the, 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 the temporary versus the long-term benefit. I, I want to know, uh, you know, what I'm going towards, what I'm going to get in the end of this. If I'm going to receive a word from God that chastens me, I kind of would like to know it would help me to know the outcome. And this is why He does give us this information, he said, you will it will yield this. Eventually, you will experience this thing called peaceable fruit of righteousness. Yeah. If we welcome the training. If we welcome the training, we get this. What if we don't welcome the training? We don't get the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Now, you might be thinking, well, I'm not even sure what that is, so I'm not sure if I'm, I'm signing up for the chastening. Uh, just think about it for a moment. Peaceable. Contrast that with what the opposite would be. Okay? The fruit of unrighteousness would not be peaceful. It be, would be chaotic and hostile. It would be restless. And so there are so many people, I mean even believers, they're saved. The righteousness is in their spirit, but in their lives it's restless. It's a hostile atmosphere. They're not enjoying a peaceable fruit they are experiencing just a lot of junk that doesn't seem to be consistent with the character and nature of God. Why is that? Chastening comes, they don't receive it, and so the peaceable fruit stays undeveloped. The peaceable fruit stays inward, they're still saved going to heaven, but it is not outward in their life. I tell you, there are so many benefits to walking with God, but walking with Him fully... Not just a wink and a nod and say hi to the Lord on Sunday, but actually hearing the Word and receiving it, being a doer and not a hearer only. So many benefits, even when it's uncomfortable. Why? You get the peaceable fruit. You get the fruit of that righteousness that you got when you were saved. It starts coming out of your life. Amen. What would the opposite be? Again, the fruit of unrighteousness. What would characterize being not right? Not right with God, not right, not doing right things. 
well, every sad thing you could think of. You know, I'm thankful that we haven't been in any drunken brawls lately. <laughs> We've not wrecked any of our cars because we were out doing, being crazy and drinking and stuff like that. And she hasn't thrown uh, any frying pans at me for weeks. <laughs> at least weeks. No, never. <laughs> Here's the point. We are, at least on some level, experiencing the fruit of righteousness in our lives. Not only are we saved, going to heaven, but by allowing chastening of the Lord, you come up. The more you come up, the more the good stuff starts to manifest. And you're not living a low life in the muck and mire of this world, dealing with all the same junk that everyone else does. Literally, you come up in some things you never deal with anymore. I don't mean it's all perfect flowery beds of ease. There's still challenges in life. But there's a whole bunch of challenges that people have in this world. I never have them. And I'm not judgmental of them because of that. I'm just saying it pays to follow this. You get to avoid all kinds of trouble in life when you receive these words from God. We're talking about maturity. We're talking about birds. <laughs> whatever that sound is. We're talking about an outward change. And we need not only inward change, we need outward change. Like the old song, something on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. Amen. Amen. And uh, so this peaceable fruit of righteousness is an interesting phrase. You'll find it used in other parts of the Bible. In 2 Corinthians 9, Paul used it um, in reference to people who give. He basically, basically, let me uh, interpret it for you if I, if I can. It's pretty plain. But when someone puts God first in their giving, their sowing, their finances, they grow. They grow up and experience the fruits of righteousness. When they don't do that, they remain in a babyhood state of Christianity. They remain immature. They remain pacifier in, spiritually speaking. Hallelujah. Everybody okay? Say, you had to say that, didn't you? You had to get in my money. I totally have to. I don't necessarily want to because I know sometimes people don't want me to. Well, some of you do and some of you don't. I have to so people will grow. You have to deal with stuff that's close to the heart. Stuff that makes some people mad. I have to risk it. I'm going to risk offending someone today, but I love them enough to do it. Not purposely offend, but risk someone saying no to anything that you say and do. Do you see this, that we cannot avoid all the unpleasant parts of life and think the outcome is going to be good? It just doesn't work that way. I need to learn to deal with things I don't want and don't like and that are unpleasant. If I deal with them properly, I get stronger and I grow and I go higher. If I resist them, I remain in the same position. Uh, some of you have seen this with uh, people who have been addicted to substances at a very young age. Sometimes you'll see someone, they, let's say they're 35 years old, uh, but they started drinking and doing drugs when they were 15. And you'll see them as a 35-year-old and they still act like a 15-year-old. It seems to have some kind of 
um, impact upon their soul uh, that when they deal with challenges by drinking them away, by, you know, medicating that away, that they don't grow emotionally, they do not grow into a, a healthy adult. And so they remain emotionally and mentally, they're at a lower place in life. That principle works for us when we are challenged, when we are, have hardships, when we deal with them properly, we grow. We do. But if we just say, ah, I, I can't deal with that right now. Okay, when can you? Well, I just don't want to, I don't want to have, that's, nah, that's, I, I'm just going to go. How long have you been just going? How long have you been running from hard things, from challenges, from uncomfortable situations? Because if you don't start dealing with them head on, you're going to keep dealing with the same thing over and over again. Whereas if we learn how to deal with the uncomfortable situation, we rise up. You know, the next time something like that comes, it's no big deal. I can handle that. That doesn't mean there won't be something else, but I'm no longer going to struggle with that issue again because I handled it. This works in church, doesn't it? Well, I just, I don't, I can't deal with that person anymore. So I'm going somewhere else. Okay. See ya. Wouldn't want to be ya. I mean that in a loving way. <laughs> Seriously, here's, here's what it means. It just means you're never going to get to more peaceable fruit of righteousness. I mean, God doesn't love you anymore. It means He does love you. And if He loves you, He'll probably give you another opportunity. <laughs> but if you want to grow in the peaceable fruit of righteousness, you learn, you deal with, you forgive, you work it out, you handle things that are, that are difficult. Amen. It works in relationships. I mean, how many have had a hard relationship in your life? Anyone relate to that? How many don't, like everyone, on some level? If you don't learn how to deal with them, there's no way your marriage is going to work because you're going to bolt. Well, I just can't put up with that anymore. Really? I mean, unless it's abuse or something. Really? If it's abuse, I understand. Don't, get, don't be a punching bag. But most people, this sounds hard, but just too weak. You're too weak. Come on. I, I, I don't want this to sound hard, but suck it up. Why? Because there's a better way of living. It's available. Peaceable fruit of righteousness is right within your reach if you deal with the, huff, the tough thing right where you are. Jobs. Happens on jobs. I, quit this job again. I'm going to... Why? Ah, I just can't deal with that. Okay. But maybe you should deal with it. Got quiet in this house today. <laughs> I go back to uh, partaking of His holiness. Partaking. If someone is not walking in holiness, I would deduce that they have not received or endured chastening. Remember the phrase? If you endure chastening. If means I have a choice. I can do it, I can endure it, or I can just walk away from it and say, I don't receive that, I don't like that. If we endure chastening, then we get the benefits of it. Amen. He says He brings it to every one of His children because 
He loves them. Yeah. Yeah, Stephen was preaching. It's recorded in Acts chapter 7. He said to them, he said, Why do you always resist the Holy Spirit? Is it possible that we could at times resist the Holy Spirit? And we might justify it and, and come, come up with a reason. That just allows us to be okay. No one wants to be wrong about anything, so we justify things that are uncomfortable. But we don't want to resist the Holy Spirit. This is about maturity. Adult, adulthood, you know, brings freedom. Doesn't it in the natural world? You grow up, now you go where you want, when you want. Now you own your own stuff. You go to bed when you want. You get up when you want. You eat what you want. You spend your money however you want. You have freedom. When you're a child, you don't have those freedoms. You're being told what to do. Likewise, it is with spiritual maturity, you get to start enjoying greater freedom in life. You're not dealing with all the same stuff. You grow up. Amen. Someone said, well, I would never resist God's love. Really? You mean you would never resist the hug kind of love? The encouraging word kind of love? Don't resist those. Receive that kind of love. But I'm, ta- I'm saying the love of God doesn't always come in that package. Sometimes God loves us enough to tell us the truth, to give us a way up so we don't remain in the place we are so His peaceable fruit can be experienced on a greater level. Amen. Let's not just receive the feel-good parts of love. Let's receive all of it. Yeah? Now, now how, does this, how does this come about? How does this work? How does God chasten us with His Word? Well, sometimes it's direct. Sometimes it's when you're reading your, your Bible every day or at least five days out of the week. And, uh, and, and someday, sometimes it comes through ministry gifts. It comes through pastors, teachers, prophets. God speaks through people. You know how, how that presents sometimes a greater challenge. It's easy to hear. It's easy to understand what's being said. But it's also easy to dismiss because you can just say, well, that's just that guy. That's just what she thinks. It's easy to say that's not God. Uh, Say, well, I receive from the Lord. I receive anything the Lord says. I just don't like the way you say it. I know. (laughs) Isn't that a bummer? (laughs) Because God set it up that way. It's God's preferred method of evangelizing the world and growing up the body of Christ is He puts His Spirit on unique individuals. He says, you've got a job to do. You've got a message to bring. And people are going to be held accountable to me for doing something with what you say. Yikes. I kind of don't want that responsibility to tell you the truth because I don't want to tell anyone what to do. That's not my desire. But I must be faithful to, to the Lord. And it doesn't mean I'll say it perfect by any means, or other ministers will say it perfect every time, but it is still His chosen method of delivering much of what He wants to communicate to the body of Christ. He does it through people. So let's never, never, never be quick. Judge everything, that's scriptural. Prove all things, hold fast to that which is good, but never be quick to dismiss something because, eh, that stretches me, that you know, that challenges me or that corrects me, that gets right in my business. If that's the case, what's the motive? It is the love of God loving us enough to help us to grow up, 
to help us experience His life on a higher level. Amen? Anybody receive this today? Come on. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, uh, thank you, Lord. I believe God wants to take us higher, individually and corporately. And so we welcome. I'm speaking for you. (laughs) We welcome all words from God. The kind that just make us feel all warm and fuzzy inside. And the kind that go, ouch. Because it comes with, it, it is a love ouch. And there's a purpose behind it. Amen. Father, thank you for working in our